This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. There was no zero risk option. A master diver from Langley looks back at his part in a rescue operation for the Thai soccer team. You can feel the energy so positive, so inviting, so joyous. Love it. And rainbow celebration. Tens of thousands strutting their stuff in Vancouver's 40th annual show of pride. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, tonight in Abbotsford neighborhood is the scene of Metro Vancouver's latest brazen deadly shooting. Shots rang out late last night outside a home there. Two young men were rushed to hospital, but only one survived. Grace Key has our top story. family cries out in grief after the murder of a loved one. 19-year-old Gagandeep Singh Dhaliwal and another man were shot at an Abbotsford home in the 2000 block of Wild Rose Street at 11.30 Saturday night. Both were rushed to hospital. Dhaliwal died from his injuries. The other man is expected to recover. Neighbors say they heard at least three shots and two men running from the scene. There's three gunshots. It happened about 11.30 at night. Um... After that, a lot of screaming. I heard a car basically peel out about 30 seconds after the gunshots. Well, they were sitting on the back deck and they seen him jump over the neighbor's fence and then run to a car and then they took off. The one girl had said, like, I need an ambulance ASAP. Somebody got shot. Dollywall was known to police and it's believed to be a targeted hit. Investigators are releasing his name, hoping to know more about his whereabouts before the shooting. I can tell you that Mr. Dollywall did not have a criminal record. Now, I say he was known to police, so he was known to the local Abbotsford Police Department, um, but he didn't have that many police interactions. So we need people that knew Mr. Dollywall to come forward and speak with the eye hit. According to neighbors, there hasn't been any suspicious activities or problems with the home in the past. The house and the neighborhood in general is quiet. It's not really a neighborhood, though. This kind of stuff you would even think to happen. But it might be keeping my kids locked up for a while. <laughs> Stay <laughs> indoors. So far, no arrests have been made and investigators are continuing to determine a motive behind the murder. Grace Key, Global News. More than a dozen people in Vancouver escaped a Marple apartment building early this morning as a fire broke out. It happened at around 4.30 this morning. The fire was in a second floor unit of the three-story building in the 1300 block of West 70th Avenue. It did spread up the balconies to suites on the third floor. Crews arrived to find some tenants in a desperate bid to get out were putting bedsheets together to try to climb down. One suite has been gutted. At least three others have been left with damage from water and smoke. Fortunately, no one has been seriously hurt, but 16 people are now temporarily without homes. One man making sure his friends friend's pet was rescued. Just grabbing my friend's cat for her because she's at the hospital. Was your friend injured or? No, just a little bit of smoke inhalation and she's pregnant so they wanted to precautionary. 
This building is one of those older buildings in Vancouver that doesn't have a sprinkler system, so there's always a threat of fire spreading quickly throughout the structure, um, and our crews did a great job of keeping it from spreading in further to the structure. Our investigators are still working at the scene and back here at our offices to determine what the origin and cause was. There were dueling rallies in Nanaimo today, both over a controversial tent city. Emotions were running high as the soldiers of Odin marched on the homeless camp that has taken over a part of Nanaimo's downtown core since May. The BC chapter shares the same name as a far-right anti-immigrant group founded in Finland, but the members say they're not racist, just good Samaritans who are patrolling the streets to keep people safe. A group called Discontent City, which supports the homeless, organised a counter-rally at the site as well. The RCMP were on hand to make sure there were no tensions between the two sides. If you took the time to hear these people's lives and their stories, maybe you would understand why they are homeless. Maybe you would understand the pain that they go through. Everybody was homeless for 27 years. I was on drugs for 27 years. Life in prison, crime, whole nine yards. Until I got my life together. I've been clean for 14 years. All right, on the wildfire fight now, the latest firefighters from Saskatchewan have arrived today to give some relief to overworked fire crews that have been battling the hundreds of wildfires that are burning across BC right now. The focus of a lot of that firefight has been the massive snowy mountain fire. This is outside Karameos and Corston. This fire, a threat to dozens of homes, and the main highway in the area has also been closed off too. Global Okanagan's Shelby Tom has the latest. It was a quieter day on the fire line after chaos erupted Saturday morning. Two human-caused grass fires nearby threatened homes, shut down Highway 3 and diverted resources away from the Snowy Mountain wildfire. Bud Godfredson jumped into action using his tractor to create a fire guard. It's so dry around here, it wouldn't take much to set a lot of things on fire. With those fires now extinguished, attention is shifting back to the hillside. This aggressive wildfire burning behind me tripled in size last week. It now covers almost 11,000 hectares. But the BC Wildfire Service says there was some overnight reprieve. There was some spotty precipitation across the fire and it was just enough to raise the minimum relative humidity here in the Similkameen Valley. So that did reduce overnight fire behavior. The Chopaka neighborhood still under threat. We have 21 homes that were evacuated in Chopaka, IR7 and 8. They've been out since Friday was the evacuation order and it still stands as of, as of today. Residents reeling from the loss of outbuildings and farm equipment. Residents are uneasy. We had uh, some structure loss yesterday. One of the homes lost some in one of the old sheds and it's actually with their old cabin. But no homes have been lost thanks to people like structural protection specialist Kevin Delgarno who is manning pumps and sprinkler systems. With those pumps we run the water and uh, keep a good mist on the homes to shut down any of the embers that are transferring through the fire. Dan Dykins is in charge of the controlled ignitions burning off fuel to protect properties. In certain conditions there, there's just sort of no other move other than to move quickly with torches and, and light fires uh, sort of near um, 
structures with control lines. But as temperatures climb into the mid-30s this week, this wildfire threat is far from over. That will be a challenge as warm temperatures can exacerbate existing fire behavior. Shelby Tom, Global News. And in Oliver, fire crews have been dealing with a wildfire near the town last night. The fire was sparked around 5.30. Uh, crews stayed on site until 11. The three and a half hectare size fire was essentially put out this morning. Uh, but crews have been checking in throughout the day looking for hot spots there. Officials say no homes were threatened. And the only structure in that area, a cell tower, was OK. Global News has learned that federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will be running in the by-election in the Burnaby South riding. Sources say he's expected to make the announcement later this week. Singh is hoping to keep the riding NDP orange. Previously, it was held by Kennedy Stewart, who's now campaigning to be Vancouver's next mayor. Singh has been leader of the NDP since October, but he doesn't have a seat in Parliament yet. It is Pride Weekend, of course. Today's main event, Vancouver's 40th annual Pride Parade, attracted hundreds of thousands of people in the city's West End, including the Prime Minister. Kristen Robinson reports. Loud and proud. You're born this way, baby! Bursting with sights and sounds, Vancouver's 40th annual Pride Parade winds its way down Robson Street. I love it because happy Pride, celebration of everything, wonderful day, fun, fun, fun. All the colors, all the people, all the everything. Today it's all about sharing pride and community, so happy Pride everybody. Everyone, including canines, wearing the love of the street party. Vancouver Mayor Gregor Robertson back again, and the Prime Minister joining the march for a second time. Justin Trudeau posing for selfies and hugging the crowd after being mobbed in 2016. Happy Pride. Very well. Happy Pride. When he became the first sitting Canadian Prime Minister to walk in the parade. This year, the Liberal leader acknowledging progress on inclusion while admitting there's work to be done. We know uh, that rates of uh, teenage suicide within the LGBT community is uh, four times as much as uh, in other communities and eight times as much where the kids don't have supportive parents. Most not letting politics reign on the parade, allowing acceptance to lead the way. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you come out here and you enjoy. We're all a family. All the energy, you can feel the energy. So positive, so inviting, so joyous. Love it. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Yeah, and it has been a very busy long weekend. South Korea wrapped up this year's celebration of light with a dazzling show last night. Hundreds of thousands packed the beaches around English Bay for the finale. Vancouver police say last night was the busiest of all three fireworks shows, but the crowds were generally well behaved. Yeah, I'm not aware of any major events we had tonight. We had a few minor injuries that I'm aware of, 
uh, but we were able to have a nice, uh, peaceful family event tonight for the finale. It is our, our largest crowd that we have. I don't have the official numbers right now, but we are, uh, you know, it looked like it was at capacity here at English Bay tonight. It was South Africa that competed last Saturday. It was Sweden on Wednesday night. Now, all three teams were required to make sure the uh, music uh, and the shows coordinated with the theme of love. The winning team is set to be announced on Tuesday. Lots of people out boating this long weekend. That has officials reminding everybody to stay safe while out on the water. North Vancouver RCMP officers, districts and ICBC officials carried out boat checks at Kate's Park boat ramp today. They're making sure that boaters and motorists stay sober, whether you're out on the water or on the road. So I was a competitive sailor in my younger days and spent a lot of time on the water and, and uh, you know my, my rule was that when I was out on the water of course I didn't consume alcohol but we know that there are those who I don't want to be a party pooper out there and, and on a beautiful day today you know you're sitting there on, on, a, on a boat with the vistas that we have and enjoying an occasional uh, beer or drink, glass of wine. The thing you have to remember is that when you're operating a vessel you cannot consume alcohol. It's great to be out on the water, have fun, but do it responsibly and understanding you're operating a vehicle. And so, you know, impairment is a real problem, whether you're operating a car or a boat or heavy equipment. We don't want people to be impaired while they're operating vehicles. Welcome back. Well, it's uh, been nearly a month since a master diver from Langley was part of the international effort to rescue a Thai soccer team trapped in a cave. Eric Brown is now back in B.C. and talks exclusively with our Tanya Beja about the incredible mission to get those boys out and the reaction from all over the world. Ah, it's magical. It's always good to come uh, home, but especially after an event like this, it's, it's actually rewarding. Eric Brown is enjoying well-deserved downtime with family in British Columbia after taking part in a rescue mission he calls mind-boggling. I think the world needed a really good story right now and they got one. When Brown heard about 12 young soccer players and their coach trapped in a Thai cave, he left his diving business in Koh Tao and flew north to help. You know, some of the guys I respect, some of the best divers in the world, and they're telling me that these conditions are you know, some of the hardest they've been in. So. So you're definitely a little uh, apprehensive kind of going in there. Brown spent days working underground and underwater, organizing lines to guide divers and the boys to safety. When the rescue mission began, Brown was stationed far inside the cave, changing tanks, keeping the boys moving as quickly as possible. Yeah, the hardest part definitely was, you know, when, sh when you ship off one group and you're not really sure it's going to happen for the next three hours till they get out. Brown says hiking in and out, working in the cold with no communication, was not only physically but mentally draining. Sitting there, not in the dark with these little cave lamps in there, but you're sort of sitting realistically in the darkest place in the world for seven hours of time. Being on edge like that for, for, for a long time can be exhausting, yeah. The unprecedented and unexpected success of the rescue mission led to a global celebration. Yeah! Brown was greeted by dignitaries across Thailand and received a hero's welcome on his birthday. It's like maybe 300 people on a pier with a cake saying happy birthday to me. And uh, yeah, it was a little embarrassing, but um, yeah, some amazing people in Thailand, sir. He plans to return to the caves in dry season. See if I can find some of my dive gear I left inside. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but also sort of navigate through when it's dry and see what rock you bashed your head on a thousand times or you know what line you kept on missing or whatever it was. He also hopes to meet the young soccer players he helped save. That would be the end goal for me is to get up there and 
you know, shake their hands and say hello for Tanya Beja, Global News. Welcome back to some breaking news coming in and a diplomatic fight has broken out between Canada and Saudi Arabia. The kingdom has suspended new trade and investment with Canada and expelled our ambassador. The dispute comes after our foreign minister, Christian Freeland, urged Riyadh to release civil rights activists. Canada had criticised the arrest of women's rights and human rights activists in Saudi Arabia. The Saudis are accusing Canada of making false statements and of interfering with Saudi internal affairs. Police in Cochrane, Alberta, have released a man who was detained after a German tourist was shot west of Calgary. Late on Friday afternoon, officers seized a black luxury car. It's believed to be connected to the drive-by shooting. A man at the home was also taken in for questioning. The RCMP now saying he is not facing charges. On Thursday, a 60-year-old man from Germany was rushed to hospital after being shot in the head while driving with his family on Highway 1A. He is now listed in stable condition. Investigators don't think he was the intended target. <clears throat> Excuse me. The RCMP first said this might have been a road rage incident, but now they're saying evidence suggests that that is not the case. The Canadian real estate company behind many of Canada's biggest shopping centres will now be suspending the use of cameras that are embedded in its uh, mall directories. The move comes after both the Alberta and Federal Privacy Commissioners announced that they were launching investigations into the use of facial recognition technology without the public's consent. Now, a spokesperson for the company, Cadillac Fairview, told Global News today that they will no longer be using the cameras until some kind of resolution is found. The company has been using facial recognition software in their mall directory since June to track shoppers' ages and genders. In Manitoba, people in the small rural community of Alonsa are still picking up the pieces after a deadly tornado hit. We're now getting a better sense of the potential path of the twister's destructive path. Environment Canada says the tornado that tore through on Friday is being classified as an EF3. That means it had wind speeds between 218 and 266 kilometres per hour. Officials say it was on the ground for 45 minutes, ripping rooftops from homes, demolishing structures and moving large vehicles into the water. 77-year-old Jack Furry was killed when his home was destroyed. A local state of emergency has now been declared. Six people are in custody tonight in connection with a suspected assassination attack on Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. He was delivering a speech yesterday afternoon when drones armed with explosives detonated above him. We get the latest now from NBC's Lucy Kavanoff. Venezuelan officials say this was the moment an assassination attempt unfolded on live television. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro addressing a military parade alongside his wife, suddenly interrupted by a loud bang mid-speech. Bodyguards rush forward with ballistic blankets to protect Maduro from what Venezuelan officials say were explosives allegedly dropped from drones. Maduro's soldiers scattered for cover. Seven were injured. 
Maduro later said, this was an attempt to kill me. I have no doubt that everything points to the right. Venezuelan officials say they detained six terrorists. This unverified video purportedly showing the moment one of the drones explodes. Experts say drones could be a new tool in the terrorists' arsenal. The big change now is that terrorists can use drones to leap over defenses on the ground. But firefighters on the scene disputed the government's version of events, saying it was a gas explosion in a nearby apartment building and not a drone. This local resident says everybody had doubts, nobody knew what happened. Maduro suggested that U.S.-based opponents helped finance the attack, a claim National Security Advisor John Bolton denies. There's no U.S. government involvement in this at all. Maduro's deeply unpopular government has been rocked by violent protests, the economy crippled by soaring inflation. With opponents painting Maduro as a ruthless strongman, some are worried his regime will use the incident as an excuse for a political crackdown. Lucy Kafanov, NBC News. At least 82 people have been killed today after a strong earthquake rocked an Indonesian tourist island near Bali. People ran out into the streets in a panic as the 7.0 quake caused buildings to sway there and vehicles to rock. Soldiers and other first responders were carrying out the injured to an evacuation centre. A brief tsunami warning was triggered. A week ago, you might remember, a 6.4 tremor hit the same area. In that situation, at least 16 people were killed. A deadly plane crash in California tonight. Terrifying scenes played out as a Cessna fell from the sky and into a parking lot of a crowded shopping centre in Orange County. Authorities say all five people on board are dead. They don't know what caused the disaster. This is the moment the small twin-engine plane came down. A mayday call from the pilot as the Cessna fell from the sky some two hours after takeoff. Copy on scene. One twin engine aircraft down in the parking lot. Witnesses couldn't believe what was unfolding. Holy sh plane crashed in the middle of a Santa right here. Parking lot. Missed the buildings. Looks like it hit the back of the car here. To the top. I don't even know how that what the hell. Slamming into a busy strip mall parking lot during the middle of the lunch hour, all five passengers aboard were killed in the accident. Firefighters discovered the tattered plane on its belly. Witnesses say it plunged into a parked car, but incredibly, nobody on the ground was injured. The primary impact area is going to be directly in the parking lot for the staples. We do not see any other damage. Uh, to any of the commercial buildings. The Staples parking lot in Santa Ana, where the wreckage will soon be examined by the NTSB, is just a mile and a half from Orange County's John Wayne Airport. A stunned crowd gathering just yards from the wreckage. A plane crash taking five lives that could have killed even more on the ground. A vintage plane crashed into a Swiss mountain today. All 20 people on board have been killed. Police say it appears the old-time propeller plane slammed nose-first into the mountainside at high speed. There were 17 passengers and three crew members on board. Police say they were not aware of any distress call before the crash. The plane was operated by a company that offers tours on former Swiss military aircrafts. A high school science teacher from Cincinnati, Ohio, has set a record after he successfully rode solo across the Atlantic Ocean. 
Lots of applause from family and friends when Bryce Carlson arrived off the southwestern tip of England today. He set out in his six-metre boat, Lucille, from St John's, Newfoundland, back on June 27th, finishing the 3,200-kilometre journey in 38 days, six hours and 49 minutes. Pretty incredible. The Ocean Rowing Society says that that is the fastest west-to-east unsupported solo row. The previous record, just in case you're interested, was 53 days, 8 hours and 26 minutes. The 37-year-old capsized several times and endured the remnants of a hurricane during his trek. I feel like I had a lot of luck along the way and a lot of help. A lot of help from my friends, my family, the community. Um, yeah, I don't know, from some higher power, I don't know. Had a lot of help. In Florida, a life-saving act has all been caught on video. A baby nearly choked to death at a mall in Florida, but quick-thinking officers then stepped in to save her life. The incident unfolded nearly two weeks ago. The mother tried a technique taught to her by her pediatrician, which involved sharp blows to the baby's back to dislodge the object. That didn't work, so she then started screaming for help. That's when two officers, who had just happened to, to be having lunch nearby, stepped in to help. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. Well, she was uh, out at English Bay yesterday, but she's back in the studio right now. Yvonne has got all the weather for us. A uh, little bit cooler in here. Yes, but <laughs> it was beautiful on the beach. And if you're going to be planning on spending more time at the beach for tomorrow, the heat is on. And I'll show you some of those numbers, especially for the interior sections and the heat warning that is in effect. I'll have that coming up. Uh, first off, a beautiful shot overlooking the North Shore Mountains this evening. Temperatures are sitting at 24 degrees. That's out of the airport. A very light southwesterly wind at nine kilometers per hour. High today. If you're by the water, 25 degrees. With the Humidex, though, feeling closer to 30 degrees. And most areas inland were into the low 30s. A record on this day of 30 degrees was set back in 1990. Highs today of 26 for areas near Williams Lake. A Soyuz climbing up to 33 degrees. Victoria did up to 24, but it was inland near Port Alberni, touching into the low 30s. Current temperatures for Prince George at 27 degrees and inland across the northern half of the province with terrace currently sitting at 3 degrees. Satellite and radar, we're not tracking any precipitation. The low is going to remain offshore. A ridge of high pressure is building in place and that's the dominant feature that we're following. Heat warning that is in effect is across the north coast, inland sections. Most areas will see temperatures getting closer to 30 degrees. This will take us towards Tuesday for the North Coast inland sections and the heat warning includes the Central Coast inland, North Coast including Terrace as well as Kitimat. So this will be all the way in towards Tuesday but still quite hot for your Wednesday. Most areas across the South Coast putting the upper level ridge into play. 
We will see the peak of temperatures Tuesday, Wednesday, but for the interior, the peak of the temperatures will be Wednesday, Thursday, with most areas getting into the upper 30s and potentially up to 39 degrees. That'll be for the Thompson regions and many spots into the southeastern corners of the province. So be prepared for the heat Wednesday, Thursday being the hottest for the interior. Here's a glance across the province for your three-day forecast. The peace tomorrow up to 26 degrees, a southwesterly wind up to 30 kilometers per hour, Wednesday getting up to 27. Whitehorse, mainly cloudy sky, a southwesterly wind of 30 kilometers per hour, showers developing for Tuesday, Wednesday. There's your blip in the forecast, but still dry for your BC day. Coastal sections up to 21 degrees, it's inland. Temperatures will be up to 30 degrees for both Monday and Tuesday. Caribou and central interior up to 29 degrees with plenty of sunshine over the next few days and still seeing local smoke for your area. Columbia and Kootenai, 33 degrees, 36 degrees on Wednesday. The tops in Okanagan, it's really Thursday that will see the peak of the heat, potentially up to 38 or 39 degrees. Whistler near the village into the low 30s. It's hotter for areas near Pemberton and across the island, a range between 28 degrees. Inland sections near Port Alberni will be into the low 30s. Fantastic if you're into the heat. Our five-day forecast has Plenty of sunshine, Sonia. For us, Wednesday, Thursday, those few spots away from the water could get closer to 32 degrees and then a reprieve. A bit of a break for those who are not a fan of the heat will be on our Friday. Back to you. All right. I like the heat. And thank you very much for that. Okay. Now, if you're a dog owner, you'll be interested in this story. There is a warning about the potential dangers of some dog foods which are being linked to canine heart disease. U.S. health officials say dogs eating a grain-free diet are developing an unusual condition that can cause an enlarged heart. When it comes to playing in the backyard, Michael Wilson's dog, Arrow, knows no bounds. He's my best friend. You know, we go everywhere, uh, play outside all day. He doesn't look it now, but last year, Arrow almost died. I started to notice he was uh, really lethargic and uh, didn't want to play. He brought Arrow to the North Carolina State College of Veterinary Medicine and Dr. Darcy Aiden. The function is really poor. She started noticing an unusual number of dogs with a form of heart disease not usually seen in mixed or small breeds. Nearly three dozen at this clinic alone sharing the same symptoms like fatigue, trouble breathing and coughing, but also something else. The dietary ingredients is what they all had in common. Now, the Food and Drug Administration is warning pet owners about a potential link between grain-free dog foods and a fatal form of heart disease. The agency is not naming any specific brands, but says owners should be wary of dog food where potatoes, peas, lentils, and other legumes are the main ingredients. What's the problem? Vets across the country are still studying it, but suspect some cases could be linked to a deficiency in taurine, an amino acid critical to canine heart health. What should dog owners look for when they're looking on a label for dog food? I usually recommend a diet that is based in grain and one that uses common, well-established protein sources. Ready? One more. Turns out Michael Wilson had been feeding Arrow a boutique brand of dog food that was grain-free. I thought this whole time what I was doing was correct and good for him in the long run, and it turned out to be the opposite of what I should have been doing. But once he changed Arrow's diet and got him treatment, the heart disease began to reverse itself, putting Arrow back on the path to a healthy life. Maya Rodriguez, NBC News, Durham, North Carolina. 
All right, just changing things up a little bit. And uh, Barry's got all your sports, but this time he's over here. We have technical issues in the studio, but we're, we're working on them. Uh, well, not until the long weekends. Quite nice. But once like that's it. done, then we'll be, you know, things will be back to normal next week. Unless right. you like it, of course. Yes, of course you like it. Of course they do, as long as we're on, <laughs> I believe. All right, thanks, Sonia. The uh, Seattle Mariners may be pocketing a lot of money from Canadians going down to watch the Blue Jays this weekend at Safeco Field, but it's come at a price for the Mariners' playoff chances. The Jays have played inspired baseball with the raucous support they've received from the uh, Western Canadian chapter of the Blue Jay Nation. So much so, Toronto had easily won the first three games of the four-game series, stretching Seattle's overall losing streak to five. And another fun-loving throng of Blue Jay fans in attendance. Now, considering the Jays are way to the playoff race, it's quite incredible, the support. A beautiful weekend to spend at a great ballpark. Jays were down 2-0 in this one, but get one back. Luke Maley bounces a base head up the middle, scores Aledmus Diaz, cuts the Seattle lead to 2-1, and yet Vancouver, well-supported there. Love the Jays. Mariners get it back. Kyle Seeger, solo shot to right field off former Mariner pitcher Sam Gaviglio, 3-1 Seattle, but in the seventh, Jays tied up. Alegmas Diaz had quite a series. Going deep. Two-run shot to left. His third hit of the game. It's a 3-3 ball game. But in the bottom of the seventh, the always dangerous Nelson Cruz cracks a two-run homer off Joe Biagini. No sweep for the Blue Jays this weekend. They still take three of four, but fall 6-3 to the Mariners, who desperately needed the win. Seattle remains two and a half behind Oakland in the American League wildcard after the 6-3 victory. Some golf now. Final round of the Bridgestone Invitational from Firestone Country Club in Akron, Ohio. Final year, the tournament will be held there. Volatile round for Tiger Woods. Six birdies, but five bogeys and a couple of doubles. But finishes with a birdie at 18, fitting to do that. At a course, he's won at eight times in his career. This tournament moves to Memphis next year. Tiger finished tied for 31st at even par. World number one, Dustin Johnson, quiet all week, but came out with a vengeance, birdied his first four holes and six of his first eight, almost eagled out of the bunker here. Then on 10, Johnson with another dart wedge that led to his seventh birdie in 10 holes. DJ shoots all the way into second place at 11 under, but he went cold from there. No more birdies, finished tied for third at 10 under. Jason Day also made a run, three straight birdies, got to within two of the lead but then imploded down the stretch, finished tied 10th at minus 7. It was a relatively stress-free day for Justin Thomas. Made this nice birdie at the second to get to 15-under. He was just steady, made one other birdie. It came at the 13th. Rolled this one in and pretty much just cruised in from there. He will tap in for the par at 18 and the four-shot win. Third win of the season, ninth of his career, and a very special moment. His grandparents were there to watch him live. Thomas now goes to the PGA Championship next week on a roll. He is the defending champion of golf's last major of the season. And the final round of the Women's British Open from Royal Lytham and St. Anne's in Lancashire, England. Brooke Henderson needed to get busy early to have a chance. Started five back of the lead, but not her day. Didn't get a lot of TV time after the early holes. Two over for Brooke. Finished tied 11th at six under. All of England and Great Britain cheering on Georgia Hall playing in the final group. 
Long birdie putt here at the fourth. It was pretty much a two-woman battle between Hall and Thailand's Pornanong Patlam. Patlam from uh, Thailand, as mentioned, birdie four of her first six, had a one-shot lead. But Hall would pull away on the back nine. Three birdies in a four-hole stretch. Clutch putts there. Took a three-hole or three-shot lead to 18, so she enjoyed the walk up to the green. Georgia Hall wins the Women's British Open by two shots, five under today, 17 under for the championship. It's her first major title, and she is just 22 years old. Welcome back. Well, nobody really expected the Lions to go into Calgary last night and beat the Stampeders. These two teams are still on very different levels. The Lions gave it a pretty solid effort, but again, were their own worst enemy. They had chances to put some pressure on the Stamps, but either they made mistakes or took bad penalties at crucial times. It's been a common theme these uh, first couple of months, but the good news, there's still time to fix the problems. Late in the third, the Lions were still in it, down by... 15, Travis Lule airs it out, and Manny Arsenault with a great catch, a 48-yarder. Lule threw for 281 yards. I think he's still been very good, but the Lions have had trouble finishing drives. This time they do finish. Jeremiah Johnson with an 8-yard touchdown run. Lions back in this thing, but Anthony Orange took a costly unsportsmanlike penalty for kicking the ball at a stamp receiver after BC had stopped Calgary on second down. It kept the drive alive. Stamps ended up scoring a touchdown. You can't do that against any team, never mind Calgary. So poor discipline, really costly. Late fourth, Lions do get another touchdown. Lule to Brian Burnham for his first touchdown of the season. But the Lions fall to 2-4 and four with the 27-18 loss. Stamps are a perfect 7-0. The Lions host Edmonton. Thursday night. Whitecaps went into Yankee Stadium with a starting 11 that was missing Kendall Waston, Alfonso Davies, Kai Kamara, Daniel Henry, and Effie Juarez and mustered up one of their grittier efforts of the seasons. Caps playing NYFC to a 2-2 draw marked just the second time this season a visiting team left Yankee Stadium with a point. Now the Caps were down a goal, time running down, but they find a way. 87th minute, Russell Tybert and Breck Shea combined a setup. Eric Hurtado, gotta love that secondary scoring for the Caps. They get a big point, 2-2 the final. They're now seventh in the West, four points out of a final playoff spot, and last night's gutsy effort was much appreciated by their coach. I say this every week, I love that group in there. I really do love them boys, and when they play like that and perform like that and give me absolutely everything, that's the reason why I love these boys. And if you would have known the travel schedule we had, we weren't able to be on the training pitch. We were training down by the path station on a, a quagmire, um, and they produced a, a character performance like that. I'm, I'm so proud of them, and I love them to bits. MLS action today, former Whitecap Tim Parker playing for the New York Red Bulls, hosting LAFC. First half, Red Bulls strike first. Daniel Royer while on the ground. Gets his leg around and knocks that in. 1-0 New York. Second half, L.A. equalized through Diego Rossi, who sneaks behind the defense and converts. Former Whitecap Jordan Harvey in on the celebration. Ties it at 1. But 80th minute, Red Bulls perfect ball over the top. Bradley Wright Phillips lays off to Daniel Royer for his second of the match. Pretty goal. Game winner, Red Bulls beat LAFC 2-1. 
Manchester City, the Premier League champs, taking on the FA Cup champs Chelsea in the Community Shield, the official kickoff to the New English soccer season. Chelsea with a new manager, Maurizio Sarri, taking over for Antonio Conte. City strike first, Sergio Aguero in fine form already, Cooley finding the corner with the left boot. Milestone goal for Aguero, that's his 200th for Manchester City. Second half, Man City on the break and this is pretty to watch. Aguero one more time with the quality finish. 2-0 the final. Man City take the community shield. The Premier League season is not far away. It begins this Friday. Vancouver's uh, Rebecca Marino just fell short of making the main singles draw at the Rogers Cup tennis tournament, losing her final qualifying match in straight sets to world number 51 Wang Kuang of China. At 27, Marino is making a big comeback in tennis. She stepped away from the game for five years, suffering from depression, but she's feeling much better about herself now, and it's showing in her tennis. She's made great strides in just six months back. She will play doubles at Rogers Cup, which is in Montreal for the ladies. So Exciting to see Marino making such great strides in her comeback. Meanwhile, the men's event will be in Toronto this year. Defending champ Alex Zverev is in fine form today in the City Open in Washington, D.C. The talented 21-year-old German rolled to a 6-2, 6-4 win over Australian Alex Dimonor. It's the third title of the season for Zverev and his second straight in Washington. He's now off to Toronto, where Canadian hopes lie with Denis Shapovalov, Milos Raonic, and Vasek Pospisil. So it's a fun week for tennis. This is the time last year when Shapovalov made mm-hmm. that big run to the semis. So we'll see how he does in Toronto. Greatest hits of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. All right. Now, Vivon, you were saying you wait for this every year. I just I feel like <laughs> it's just, a highlight and a real treat for everyone at home. Right. And you know you're <laughs> in the middle of summer when it is the World Surf Dog Championships going on. Uh, the four-legged surf competition was held in Pacifica, California on Saturday. A sea of hounds coming out. They can all hang ten. And a few who will just wipe out. Um, this is the event's third year. I just love looking at these pictures. They're great, aren't they? And they're really good at it. It's like, hey, dog. Tandem? Tandem surfing, too? <laughs> is that tandem surfing? I don't know what that, but they, they look good. They look very Notice very they have safety, though. They've got the life jacket. Yes. Yeah. Because they can't dog paddle forever. It's a long way. <laughs> I wish we had time to tell you how to put a life jacket on a dog, but I don't. So um, <laughs> instead, we'll just say goodnight and leave you with pictures you have to of do it up for them. Pride Parade. Um, and the weather, of course, today in It's hot, the next few especially days. Wednesday, Thursday. Be prepared for the heat. And uh, the heat warning is across the North Coast inland.